Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Sans Pants Radio. I know you can go gay for pay, but can you go, like, gay for no pay? Hey, guys, you remember that Dracula pitch on movie maintenance? Well, we went and turned it into a play. Starring me. Well... No, look, Gabe's in the play. Starring in the play. Well, no, you're like the fourth, maybe fifth character. You have like one scene. Two scenes, Carney. Two scenes. Maybe get your head out of your ass and read your own fucking play. (sighs) Dracula, Last Voyage of the Demeter opens April 13th. Tickets on sale now. Starring me. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some movies just need fixing. I'm Handsome Tom. I'm Gabe. And I'm Joel Dusho. And uh, this week, it's La La Land. I really liked it, but I don't think it's perfect. Dusha, you... Um, I would... It would definitely be my top three films of 2016. I saw it in 2017, but it got released in 2016. The Oscars counted it as last year. I'm yeah, counting it yeah, as last yeah. year Yeah, as no, well. that's fair. That's fair. No, that's cool. I've seen the film a couple of times, three times in the cinema. I'll probably see it a fourth before it ends. You buy the special edition on Blu-ray and you'll run around the streets dressed as Gosling. 100%. The most recent time I saw it, I saw it with someone who did not like it. And she was like, it's not musical enough to be a musical correct and there's too many songs which just flow like a regular film correct they need to decide one way or the other and then i was like no it's (laughs) (laughs) it's fine i was like opinion is garbage see across the board i kind of feel like my main because i had this huge debate with my dad about la la land my stern austrian father who is not a romantic in any way shape or form but he called me after he saw la la land he's like the movie's a con i thought it was this romantic musical and then the end they don't get together it was the middle finger to the audience <laughs> and i was like no and I, I was on the phone with him for like an hour debating this because like but as it went on i sort of started to realize and i was like because because la la land i really liked it but i didn't walk out the cinema being like holy fuck that blew my mind and i kept thinking back to whiplash and i know it's probably not com- fair to compare the two films but i mean they are whiplash is whiplash so is incredible. much better than yes la la it is and for me, it's... I know I'm getting daggers from you, douche, but it is like, so much better. It's oh. like the comparison between In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Not on the same level, because Seven Psychopaths was really shit and La La Land was really good. But look look at In Bruges, which is so tight and on point yeah, and yeah. perfectly structured and put together. And Seven Psychopaths, which like doesn't quite know ideas. what it wants to be and never gets all those ideas converging in a way that's especially satisfying. And I kind of feel like La La Land's a bit the same because like the opening scene, because dad, my dad's whole argument was... You know, the musical number in the opening scene sells it as a musical. And I'm like, no, the opening number, like, sets up the main theme of the film, which is, you know, like, here's, like, the dream of, like, big Hollywood musical. Hang on, hang on. Bear with me. Big dream of the Hollywood musical number. Everyone's dancing and singing and singing about all the dreams. And then the moment it's done, they're back in their cars, beeping horns, fingers out the window, like, dreams versus reality. Then I was like, hang on, wait. And I said that. And I was like, that's not actually the main theme of the film, though. No. Like, what is the main theme of La La Land? It does so many things that it doesn't emphasize one with like incredible thematic clarity the same way Whiplash did. Mm. Whiplash, you get at the end, it's like, fuck, that was satisfying. That made such a clear point so strongly. La La Land's like, is it about ambition? Is it about dreams versus reality? Is it about nostalgia, like past versus present? Is it, it touches on all of those themes, but it never really delves into one in a way that is 100% satisfying, which is, but I still really like the film. The themes it did play with, even though they weren't explored as thoroughly as Whiplash, really spoke to me in the same way Whiplash did. But I didn't walk out being like, fuck, I'm satisfied. I'm in a weird camp. So you were like, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. And you were like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And I was like, okay. And it finished. And I went, 
that happened. That was a very solid, all right. Like it's it's not amazing. My three biggest problems with it is that it's not as revolutionary as people seem to think it is. Do people one. think it's revolutionary? Yeah, I don't think they do. I feel like people are like, oh, it's amazing. It's not been anything like this before. It's like, nah, there hasn't. They've done it better. Maybe I'm sort of taking revolutionary and good and like fusing him into something. Yeah, but like, I've, I've spoken to people like, oh, it's just so different. No, it's, it's not. not. There, there have yeah. been better versions of this story told. Mm. It's not enough of a musical to make it a musical. They decide, yeah, we're going to do some magical realism. And then they just stop doing it for like 45 well, minutes of the like movie. Like the first half of the film is... Like, like, really, from the opening scene, and then, like, shortly after, you get Emma Stone's "I'm um, Someone in the Crowd" song, and all. Like, there's a lot of songs in the first half of the film, and I'm like, yeah, it's totally a musical. Yep. But then, like, and and I sort of see that because that's the other thing that is it about the way relationships evolve over time? Because the first half of it is like this big, bombastic, colorful, exciting Hollywood musical, and then it becomes a lot grittier and a lot darker and a lot more down to earth for like the second half, just in how it portrays the characters and what they're going through. And there's a lot less singing, a lot less songs, a lot less of, like you said, the magical realism. Then it kind of brings that back at the end. So, like, this is like that 500 Days of Summer thing, the big music yeah, yeah, when yeah. they first get together. God, Here's that movie's garbage. <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Gabe has a soft spot for 500 Days of Summer. What? Everyone in that movie is just a cunt. I haven't seen it since it came out. I just really <laughs> like it. I really like it. Mate, so I saw it when I was 17 and I was like, this reminds me of my two-week relationship that just finished. So fuck you. Back to La La Land though. In, in terms of the way it's portrayed, it, I came at it from a musical background. Yeah. I like musicals. I've watched a lot of musicals. I'm not saying I'm an expert on musicals. I want to cover that right now. But I liked them and, and I came watching it being like, it's a musical because a lot of friends of mine are yeah. in musical theater and they'd like watch it. And I sat there and I was like, nah. I needed, I personally wanted more songs. Yeah. And I wanted just more of something. They do this thing where they, they almost do stuff and they kind of pull back again. And you're like, no, follow that thread the whole way through. Like, do you know what the issue probably is? And I think it's because I've seen the movie multiple times. It's because that whole middle section of the film where Ryan Gosling's character, Sebastian, I know their names. Good. There'll be a test later. Good. I'll pass. Um, I only, I only mm. know their names. Everyone else is just John Legend. Yeah, what was John Legend's character's name? <laughs> John Legend. In the movie, again, this is a fundamental flaw of the film. You've seen the movie three times and you don't know his name. It's. I can't even tell you and I'm pitching a bit of a um, because I basically he's out of the film. Yeah, no. So the middle part of the film with all of the messengers stuff like the band... They're all songs, but it doesn't feel like a mu- you could put that in like any film. Yeah, and no yeah. one would be like. It's as musical as Whiplash during that section. Yeah, but I think that because like those are songs. It's just because Ryan Gosling's character isn't singing them. It yeah. doesn't feel like they're musical moments, even though they technically are. And especially the live performance where you get Emma Stone's like getting rushed by the crowd as everyone runs up to the stage and her realizing, "Hey, this isn't what he wants. This isn't what I want." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is this happening? Kind of thing. Like, that played, like, a massive musical moment. But if Ryan Gosling and John Legend's character had been switched, it would seem like an actual, like, another musical number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, because and, and that's my keys, issue is yeah. that it's it's not enough of a musical to be a musical. And everyone's like, it's this it's this throwback to old school musicals. I'm like, no, it's really not. If that was, like, the central theme of the film was, like, okay, so here are two characters who are attached to the past at the expense of moving forward. And if that was kind of the big thing, because I feel like what brings them together is, like, a shared nostalgia, in Mia's case, for old-fashioned Hollywood films, in... Yep. Sebastian's case for, you know, the past of jazz. And that was kind of a big part about, you know, exploring nostalgia and the pitfalls of that and whatever. Then, yeah, I would totally understand the fact that it starts a musical and then that slowly gets unpeeled as it goes on. But 
that kind of wasn't the main no. theme and that wasn't the main thrust. No, and its problem is, is it, it's got so many, it's got some good ideas and it's got some great sort of. And the audition song, which I loved, such a gentle tug on the dicks of creatives everywhere. Yeah. Being like, yeah. no, it's good. You're good. The world needs you. You're important. Whispering exactly that voice in your ear. I, I love that song. But when that song came along, I was like, oh, wait, this is a musical. Yeah. There really? Been, there's not a lot yeah. of songs before after that the, moment. Um, after the planetarium scene? Yep. I don't think there was anything apart from uh, John no, Legend stuff. You get the City of, not the City of Stars, the song they sing together where he's playing at the piano while that's she's City writing a musical. City of Stars. And I guess that's the problem is they do like five or, or six songs early and then just, just don't do any for ages. And then there's nothing wrong with a reprise. Reprise is really good. But the issue is that they do like five or six songs early and then do nothing for ages. And yes, they're playing music and they have musical moments, but... I want songs. The idea behind a musical is that the reason characters sing in musicals is because they get too emotional to speak. That's the, the core concept of musicals is they are either so angry or so happy or so in love or so sad that they can't talk. <laughs> Fuck you, poster. Just, just to clarify, I think this is kind of a good point to talk about the ambient noises <laughs> around us. It's hot and we're in a garage. A garage? Garage. I, I don't know how to say the word. A shed for cars, a car hole. Car hole with a door. With a door. And because it's hot in here, we, we open the door up. So you may hear some ambient noises or like the wind blowing a poster. You may have been hearing it for a while now. Yeah. And just sort of commenting on it. Uh, that's just whatever. Yeah. So that when characters reach an emotional point, they, they have to sing because that's the only thing for them. And they get to get out that like kind of internal thought process. And you get that early and then it just disappears for ages. Until the audition song again. Until the audition song again. And... That seems great, but it feels like it's from a different movie than the one I've been watching for the last hour. Like, it's, it's so out of place that it just it pulled me out of it. What just, if we call La La Land not a musical? How do you feel about the film then? Don't change anything. Just drop the genre of musical and change it to... Why the fuck does it have musical moments in it for the first 30 minutes then? Experimental cinema. No, it's just <laughs> stupid then. Sorry, it is. It's either... It's trying to have its cake and eat it too. And as we've learned... You can do that, but only sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like Whiplash, which I think is a more successful film in pretty much every way, being in case, I don't know if we mentioned that that's, for those who don't know, that's Damien Chazelle's previous film. A lot of thematic similarities. Watch, watch that, that instead. But, if you're like, I'm going to watch La La Land, don't. Watch Whiplash. Yeah. like Watch I mean, both. Whiplash, no. I think part of, the, part of the reasons Whiplash is so successful is that, like, like we said earlier, the theme is so rock solid and it never really budges from that theme of this is what, it takes to be the best. Yeah. And what are the pitfalls of that? What are the benefits of that? Is it worth it? Let's pose that question to the audience. La La Land does try to have its cake and eat it too because it is trying to do so many things at once. And look, points for ambition because it's an extremely ambitious film with the amount it's trying to get in there and trying to achieve, but it takes a hell of a lot to pull that off, to yeah. really hit all those notes perfectly and actually come out with a film that really, you know, is a resounding success. Which is and, why I didn't win Best Picture. And it tries. It's a four-star film for me, but it just doesn't quite get there. Uh, anyway, to, to try to draw it back, I guess, the chemistry of the cast is fantastic. But the problem is, is that chemistry will only get you so far. And it's like, oh, these guys are nice. But again, that, that's, that was my reaction to it. I'm like, oh, they're nice. They work well together. What the fuck is happening in the film? So... For the approach that I've taken, I want to clarify that I haven't actually changed the plot. Okay. Because there is nothing really wrong with Chazelle's story. The story is great. The execution of the story, in my opinion, is, is where it falls apart. The stylistic choices is where it's a bit tricky. And controversial opinion, I fucking hated the epilogue. Okay. Before I grill you on that, I actually want to see what you do instead. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. No, no. So there is no epilogue in mine. Okay, 
so where I'm coming from is, and I was talking about, you know, you've got someone's like, oh, it's this really great story of a relationship as it goes through the ups and downs of life. And I'm like, yeah, there's a better musical that does that in an interesting way. They made a film of called The Last Five Years. So it's got Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan in the film version. The musical version is, is better than the, the film version. But basically you have, again, they tell the same story but in a much more interesting way. He's a writer on the rise. She's an actress trying to f- get work. His career takes off. Hers doesn't. And their relationship is great and then it falls apart and they end up divorcing. The way the musical works, though, is that her story is told from the end of the relationship through to the beginning and his version of the story starts at when they meet to when they break up. And these stories are told at the same time and the middle of the show is when they get married. That's something interesting to do with a relationship. So That was a musical, like a stage musical adapted into it. That is a stage musical adapted into it. Yeah? Okay, cool. No, 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 that's fine. But... I'm just saying that in terms of a structural kind of thing, so originally I was thinking, do you do something like that? Because they do do that to some degree. You have that bit where you see Mia's whole bit, she walks into the bar, sees Seb, and then you flash back to where he got to where he is. Yeah. And that's interesting, but they kind of only do it once for a bit and eh. Again, they they do something for like the first act and they just abandon it later. So I was originally thinking of maybe playing with the chronology of it got a bit bogged down and stuck and just can't do it. So the things I'm looking at was was how to tell the story. So what I did was, have you guys seen Anna Karenina, the film? No. no. Karenina? Karenina. I want to say Karenina. What is but the art direction and the production design of it is beautiful because they set it in a theatre and the whole thing takes place as though it's a stage show, but it's the real story. So bearing that in mind, I thought, right, maybe I could take some of those magical realistic elements and inject them into La La Land. But anyway, so in terms of this, taking that, and, and tying it into this idea of having a film set like Anna Karenina because the musical movie is a hyper-realistic world. You look at the the classics, like you're singing in the rain. Do they um, mention that in La La Land? Do they reference singing? I'm joking. The whole movie is a reference to that pretty much. <laughs> I like how that I, I just, <laughs> I panicked. I was like, no, nah, dude, she's not that fucking stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but that whole thing, um, musicals are hyper-real. You get characters yeah. singing for no reason. You look at like the film Chicago. Anytime they have a musical number, they actually break away from the reality of the yeah, story. Yeah, okay. yeah. And they have like so that that kind of thing is is what I was thinking about of where you take it. And then the other thing too was the theme. Like, what is the theme? You talk is it old versus new? And I was like, well, is it this dream? The idea of a dream that you have that ties in with the magical realism thing. And I'm like, no, that if you're gonna go with his films having a through line of of theme, they're about ambition. Whiplash is about being the best and the cost of that. Whereas for me, La La Land should be about how can you have two people who are incredibly ambitious and do they have the capacity to love one another? So the the question that I pose is when you already love something else completely, is there room for another true love? Okay. So that's kind of the thing we're struggling with here in my version of La La Land, which you'll see where it's set. It's still set in LA, but you'll see where it's set in a moment. So it literally opens with maybe you have like the soft kind of tinkling on the piano, but it's just, it's that scene at the end of the film where Mia and Sebastian are sitting on that like rocky outcrop and she's just found out she's going to get cast. And you just, you kind of rise up the rocks and you just hear, we can't. I know. We just can't. I know. And then they're just sitting there. You, you pan up and you see them. They're both sitting there. They're sort of separate and it's Gosling, Sebastian and, and Stone's Mia. And we've jumped in mid-breakup conversation. So that conversation they have where they're realising that they can't be the things that the other wants them or needs them to be while they've still got this other thing. 
it's it's painful, it's heartbreaking, and it's a weird place to come into a romantic film as a breakup, but it's it's a mutual breakup. And, you know, as they're kind of sitting there, Mia turns to, to Seb and she's like, we both already have our great loves. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And she just kisses him on the cheek, she gets up and she starts to walk away and he kind of just sits there. And just before she, she walks away, she turns around and she's like, call it Seb's, and then keeps going. And he kind of stands up and he's kind of like, okay, and you sort of see her walking away in the distance and he kind of turns around and looks and he starts to kind of sing softly the first few bars of, of City of Stars. You can see the Hollywood Hills behind him and as he stares out at the Hollywood sign, we see that it doesn't say Hollywood, it says La La Land. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. The music kind of picks up a little bit and Sebastian starts to walk down the rocks and as he does, all of a sudden these dresses just appear out of nowhere and the rocks start getting dragged off from behind him and he's changing out of the... Closes in, he's climbing into a suit, bang, 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 and holy shit, we're on a Hollywood backlot. So the whole film is set on a film studio. Ah, like the epilogue that you're removing from the film. Correct. Yes. I removed the epilogue and made it the the whole whole movie. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Well, mm, I'm hurt already. Like, in a good way, I guess. (laughs) Just before we go any further, I don't want to try and interrupt too much, but you're not changing any of the cast, are you? All right. We, full disclosure... I feel like that there is something withholding from me here. We were going to play with the fact of like, how upset would you get if we told you we were, we were casting Zach Braff as Sebastian? <laughs> very, very upset. Fuck, I hate him. So Zach Braff is now Sebastian then. <laughs> now look, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it Gosling and Stone just because their, their chemistry yeah. is electric. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, they're um, right. Maybe J.K. Simmons is played by Vince Vaughn. <laughs> You know what? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, just, no, again, I'm just trying to find some buttons to push here. <laughs> See, Vince Vaughn... But you're is... taking it so well. Uh, <laughs> well, because I know that one of the criticisms with La La Land, which I have infinite rebuttals to, but people like the cast wasn't... Like, Emma Stone was really good, but Ryan Gosling was like out of his depth in this film and I would argue that like he was perfectly cast well yeah see my, my issue is that someone said oh is it because they can't sing great and I'm like no that's not my problem with it like the fact that they don't sing great is kind of nice yeah because they're real people in this highly realist unrealistic yeah. world they're going after something that is wildly unattainable and, and almost an unrealistic ambition and they're real people so they sometimes aren't right and so I'm not going to change the cast they're not going to be amazing singers now um, I'm just upping the Upping the magical realism stakes by setting the whole thing on a, a backlot. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like a movie within a movie, much like Anna Karenina is on a stage. Yeah. So you literally see him getting put in a suit. He walks in and there are road scene and he climbs into a convertible and bang, it's, the, it's literally the opening number as it happens uh, in the film. Um, so no replacement there. The only difference is that as the song finishes, they, same thing, they get back in their cars and we're on Mia. And she's sitting in a car. There's a guy next to her. Don't care who he is. He's just a dude. And she's arguing with him. She's arguing with him. Arguing with him and she stops arguing with him and he kind of looks at her and she's like, no, no, no. And she goes back and she rehashes the same sentence of argument with him again and he picks it up and he keeps arguing with her. And then she gets to her next bit of the argument and as she's arguing and arguing and arguing and she's still in this traffic jam, he just turns and looks at her and just opens his mouth and just starts going, da! <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? And then she snaps out of it and he realizes there's no one there. She's rehearsing lines and the loud noise is the horn behind her. So we're rehashing that okay, beat. Cool. But again, just pushing those elements of, like, I feel like they could have done so much more than just having her pretend to be on the phone. We repeat the beat too where Sebastian's cast on outmaneuvers her, but then he gets stuck behind traffic and he's like, oh, this is shit. So then he just sits there and he's like flipping through the radio trying to shit, shit, shit. Mm. Ah, a bit of, bit of something good. Mm. He starts tapping along, he's playing along, he's stuck in the world and then like you hear the horn again and he's like broken like out of it. And it would, what it would be was something similar where he's like seeing someone play the trumpet and they just start shooting a horn in his face and he's like, what the fuck? And it's me who's caught back up to him and she's just like, fuck you hipster and just keeps driving. 
And he just leans back. He's like, fucking actresses. They then kind of veer off different parts. She drives off into a different part of the Hollywood set. He drives off to another part. You redo the waitress beat because it's a nice setup for her. My only issue is, is that if we're going along the line of a musical, there is a moment in every musical where you have your main character sing what they call an I am song, where a character literally just gets up there and says everything they are and you go, yep, cool, I know exactly what this is. So, Well, La La Land kind of has that with yeah, the second song. Uh, someone, in the crowd. Yeah, someone, yeah. someone in the crowd. I don't feel it achieves that in it's the way that it It's not quite, because if it was a regular musical, there would then be Mia Solo singing while she was at work, being like, I'm a waitress and I hate everything, but I really want to be an actress. Correct. Yeah. I'm not going to do something that obvious, though. So the waitress beat plays out the same. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, that scene. You get a nice idea of who she is. And she's walking into the audition, and it's the, the guy she's reading with is the same actor who was in the car with her. So maybe he is like a, a, a reason. So maybe we get Topher Grace to play Topher Grace oh, or something fuck. like that. Or like, but not that shit. Or Zach Braff. To Zach, play Braff. Zach Braff playing Zach, Zach Braff. Braff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's awesome. reading opposite Zach Braff. She's just having the same thing. And as, as they have this argument, so you're in like an audition room. The wall moves out of the way, and all of a sudden, it's replaced by a train line. They people dresses come in again, dress them up. They're in these beautiful, like period costumes, standing on a train line as a train rolls into the station, and they're arguing, and and she's fucking killing it. And then the train like pulls into the station, and just a dude gets off in normal clothes, and they're in these like beautiful period costumes. He's like, hey, hey, and then literally you see that the panel are just sitting at the station watching them, like in normal clothes, and it's the same beat. She gets this PA comes in and fucking ruins her audition, and. She's like, oh, and it ends and they send her out and Zach Braff would say something like really condescending like, oh, it's a, it's a real good job. She's like, fuck you, Zach Braff. Yeah, fuck you, Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah. So, so then she basically walks out and this moment right here is screaming out for a song. I, I watched it and I was like, what? why isn't there a song here? She's walking out into a room with identical people. This should be a musical number. And this is where I've put her I Am song and it's called Another Ambitious Redhead because literally the room is full of ambitious redheads. So what it'd be is that it's like if you've ever seen the producers, there's that great moment with all the accountants. So the music would be like just them like crossing their legs, clipping the scripts, practicing warming up, doing all that. And she'd sing this song basically being like, it's, I'm just another ambitious redhead. I'm just like all of these girls. There is, it's doing my head in because I'm more than all of them. Like I've got a drive that I know that 95% of them don't have, but it doesn't matter because I'm literally just another ambitious redhead, which is what they talk about in Someone in the Crowd, but they just don't nail it enough, I don't think. So it's this, this sort of number. You'd have a big dance number as well where it's doing a bit of choreography. It's fun. It's exciting. And by the time that ends, the set's kind of moved around her. She's back in her apartment getting ready for a night out. Repeat that beat. It's a nice beat. You have a bit more banter, a bit more dialogue. And then you roll into another song. Because if this is a musical, you're allowed to have like, you know, other songs so close together. Like it's okay. <laughs> Basically here though, you get... Because you get a little bit of a a hint about how the other girls view how they're going to get their careers made in that song. Again, you could just solidify it more. So again, you you get kind of an oppositional idea and you see Mia's plan and dream and vision for what she wants so much clearer because you see the people who are doing it a different way. So the different way that Mia's doing it. So it's that whole thing. It's like Mia's got the talent and the ambition, but she won't climb the social ladder. Like She won't do that. And that's the thing that makes her different from everybody else, but it means that she's just not... It's going to be really hard. She won't do the bullshit. She won't do the small talk. She won't do the schmoozing, which is like, you know, 99% of it. She won't network. And in this day and age, it's not like the 50s. You you have to network. And these girls are like, no, that's what you got. It's all about. So they're more about networking. And that's just hitting that same beat, same musical interaction, harder. And it's kind of the same beat at the party. Possibly you, you just emphasize it a bit more. So maybe there's a reprise of the song where she's singing and maybe she attempts to social climb and then goes, no, wait, that is fundamentally, I can't. 
Yeah. She leaves the party. She's like, I can't do it. Um, which you kind of get, but again, I just don't think they hit it in the right way. It's there, but it's like there is just sort of a joke. Uh, she, yeah, meets a guy who's like, I'm a writer and I'm really good at world building. Yes. Yes. You, you looked at me because you forgot that bit. And then until I just reminded you and then you just remembered Thank it. you. No. Yeah. So basically you hit it harder though, because I yeah. just don't think it's, it's done. Put it this way. I forgot that bit. Yeah. Right. I shouldn't forget that bit because that sets up a cool thing about who she is. We now get this nice beat where she leaves the party and she just decides to walk home and you get kind of a nice reprise of that I Am song because as she's walking home, she sees these billboards of these beautiful redhead actresses in films that she's missed out on. So it's like Bryce Dallas Howard singing to her from like a poster of Jurassic World 2. <laughs> Being like, you know, you're just another ambitious redhead. You know, you think I got here on ambition alone? No, I, I knew a guy who knew a guy and that's how I got here. And it's like, it just, it just crushes her and at the end... She walks all the way back and climbs back in her car. Gets in her car, which is different, but bear with me. Gets back in her car and then they wheel some stuff out of the way and she's back on the freeway again and it's literally she turns around and goes, fuck you, hipster, drives off and you get fucking actress. Right, so you go back. You don't see her walk into the, the bar. Yeah. So now we go for Seb's I Am moment. He gets a really shit one, all right? He gets I'm having an argument with my sister. Don't put your feet on that stool because I stole it from a jazz club. Lame. Bad. I sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> Sad. 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 You could get rid of the sister completely. She is in one scene. So superfluous. Yeah, she's fairly unnecessary. And, and if we're playing with that musical magical realism moment, he doesn't need to sing to anyone but himself. Like he could literally just be singing to himself. He could be, since he's a jazz pianist, could be playing some piano huh. and then start singing. You know, like City of Stars? Yeah. That, but an I Am song, I guess. That's I'm siding with you exactly way more than you're expecting me to. I, right I, it's actually, the, it's throwing me more. Yeah, I'm expecting really more oppositional to go forces. you and just prepare for sheer unbridled rage, but that's all right. it's a very reasonable conversation. It's not Rogue One and you're not Gabe, so that's probably why <laughs> it's so pleasant. Yeah, look fair. So basically we, we see him in his, you see him see that jazz club and he's kind of yeah. like, he, he might go over and be like, what's, what's going on? Like, oh, it's Tapas Bar. He's like, do you know what this is? He's like, yeah, there's Tabas Bar. He's like, man, that like, it, and you could see it hurts him. And he goes home and you see the stuff that he's got. And he kind of sit down. And he's like, all right, you know, you know. And he sort of tinks away at the piano. Mm, no, no. Tries again. Mm. He's just, he's just playing with stuff. And then he starts to sing this song. And it's his, his I am moment. He, he just is singing along to himself. And it's called Old Brand New. Because his whole thing is he talks about how it's new every time. When he's giving that great spiel about jazz to her in the club, it's new every time, but it's old brand new. So it's this old school jazz. Because the problem is, one thing that I always found interesting is like, you know, jazz is new every time. I refuse to make new jazz with John Legend, <laughs> though. I will only do old jazz. Well, are you going to do old jazz or are you going to be new like every time? So old brand new. So he's singing about how it's really great and he's finding his place and it builds and flourish. And then someone just runs in and just drops like a little yarmulke on the back of his head. And then like a set drops in and he's playing like this Jewish Israeli dancing music. Yeah. While he's playing over the top of it and he sings, you know, it's the same old same. This is the same old same. It's not the old brand new. Bang. He's back in his thing and he's like playing away and he's singing more about how freeing it is and he loves it and it's amazing. And then as he's playing that someone like slides his piano and gives him a guitar and we see him in those really bad 80s clothes. Good. He's like, no, the, no. It's the best, best scene in the film. Yeah, I love that film. <laughs> So I've he's seen. in the guitar and I love he's that singing. Film too. I love, yeah, well, why not? <laughs> it's look, it is the best scene in the film. It has a guitar in it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it has Emma Stone mockingly lip syncing along yeah. to I ran, the, I ran, yeah, by flock of seagulls. Come oh, on. well done. But again, you see that, but you, it's basically just he sings. 
instead of saying they think it's old and it's new, but it's just old and not new and I want the old brand new. So again, it's that kind of thing. Every time he builds up in a musical moment to hitting what he thinks is jazz, he gets dragged away to doing shitty yep. work yeah, that he cool. just does not like. And it's it just sets it up better than the one kind of conversation he has with J.K. Simmons. Because you get that and then you see him later and he kind of comes across as a bit of a pretentious asshole. Anyway, we're back in the song. The last bit he does is it finally ends with him playing Christmas carols, singing the same old shit with nothing brand new. And that's where it ends. And we see he's playing in that shitty bar, the Christmas carols. Let's make it more humiliating. He's wearing a shitty reindeer antlers or something. Sick. Same thing with J.K. Simmons. And then it's just not cancer. He's, he's basically just sitting there playing these songs. And then you have him start to play the theme. And at this point... Like a spotlight just goes tightly on him. And then on another sound lot, bit of music playing, you have Mia walking along at the end of the scene where you last saw her, where she's walking along, spotlight on him, and a spotlight just follows her. And she's like, oh. So she follows kind of the spotlight. Yep. And they're both in this room together. He's playing at a piano. They kind of maybe they dance together. It's a really nice kind of magical, beautiful moment. And then just like, bang, the spotlight goes out. And she's just like standing in the doorway. And you have the J.K. Simmons in getting fired. It's the same beat we see. Previously, she watches him run away and she's like, huh, that's really weird. And then as she's standing in the door, you just see someone be like, next. She's like, oh, yeah. So she goes in. Um, Chicago. There's a great scene in Chicago where uh, Richard Gere's character, the lawyer, comes out and he has to do a defense. So he has to do his like defense rebuttal kind of argument, his closing statement at the end of this, this court case. And they call it like it's, it's a shuffle. So like this drum starts and he comes out and it cuts between him in the courtroom making his argument to him on a stage tap dancing and like sweating and like taking his jacket off because it's, it's hard, you know, and he's balancing plates and juggling and you, you get this beautiful symmetry. So you hear next and then this drum beat starts up. It's a really fast sort of like a shuffle. And then this blast of light on the stage, the thing comes out, we're no longer in the restaurant and Mia's standing in the center of the stage. Like it's just, it's literally just like a stage. And all of a sudden, all these like racks come out with costumes on it. And a guy walks in with a clipboard and he just kind of pins a thing to a chest. And basically, we get this frantic dance number to a kind of spoken word rap patter piece, which is the audition shuffle. And basically, it's that scene in the movie where she's doing all the jargony bits and she's yep. just not getting anywhere. Again, that just felt like it could be something really cool. So, again, she's just delivering, like, fast jargon while tap dancing and then next and she's just changing costumes and you just see it's grueling and mm-hmm. it's exhausting and why would you do this to yourself? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of mean when, like, a lady reads lines back to you like, what are you talking about, cracker? I just think you could, again, push it more and if we're in this musical world, that's where you see that she's so exhausted and she's just doing all this stuff and you get it over and over again. And basically the monologue ends with everyone starts packing up behind her and she starts to walk towards the front of the yep. soundstage or whatever. And it's like, you know. And then after panel number 16, for a coroner spot on a show where I don't know the lines and I don't understand any of the words, that make an LA, there's so many lines that it makes an LA party look small. And then you see that panel number 16 has featured the same guy from 10 of the other panels and he hasn't looked at you once. And you realise that the same guy from panel number 16 who's been on panels 1 through to 8 plus panels 4 and 15 and whatever is going to be at a party that your friends are going to. And you realise in that moment that it doesn't matter if he's on 16 of those panels and you get up here and you work your ass off because he's not looking at you because you weren't at one of those parties. So you have to do something different. And so they bring on one more coat rack. And she picks up this dress from the coat rack, puts it on, and she goes, you have to put on the hardest costume of all. It's your spring dress for a pool party with assholes. And scene. Bang, we're suddenly at that pool party. Yep, cool. So again, just why not push it the whole way? Break the fuck out of that fourth wall. Have them address the audience. Again, all the little bits in the third, first act just need to be in the rest of the film. Yeah. 
Hey, question. Are you keeping most of the songs in 3-4 like they are in the film? Because that makes it... Almost every song in La La Land is a waltz and it makes the movie kind of dreamy. I know that you're not writing music, you're pitching a film, but would you do a similar thing so it has a similar vibe or are well, you keeping see, like a what's, more... What's weird is that on one hand, you've got these like dreamy numbers, which are, which are cool, but then also it's about jazz. Yeah. So why, why is every is song in 3-4? Yeah. So my thing is, is that you have these dreamlike numbers when, when they're kind of together yep. in those beautiful moments. But I think you should have that frantic pace of jazz because you want people walking around being like, yeah, jazz, Ooh. yeah, fuck yeah, whiplash. Yeah, so I, I don't think so. Yep. From a music point, I haven't actually thought of that. But I think if you're going to do that, I think, yeah, I want faster songs. Yeah, This song I think needs to be quick because yep. you need to have that. It's, and it's less of a song as much as it is like just a monologue or like a bit of like, like Hamilton, <laughs> just a rap, um, whatever. Probably not a rap. Let's just call it a monologue to music. Let's, let's just leave Hamilton out of this. I've got some controversial opinions that I won't mention. Hang on, now. hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. You like La La Land, but you don't think Hamilton's very good. I, because I listen to rap sometimes. So do I. I think that a lot of Hamilton is a pretty big hack job. I am pinballing between faces right now, and Tom's expression is amazing, and I have no stake in this argument, and this is the best. So I thought I was coming in here today to, like, kill Dusha, <laughs> but I'm dead inside. It's and amazing. It's not rap. It's like... I know, I know. I've heard the whole thing. It's fucking two and a half hours of, like, this is fine. And also, like... Oh, boy, um, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, fuck. fuck. What's his name? Diggs. The dude that's also the front man of Clipping. Everything he's done with Clipping is... So much more technically impressive and better than anything in Hamilton. Oh, Tom is so flawed. He did not anticipate this. I didn't. I didn't. Anyway, strike back. back. Strike back. Oh, my only strike back is... Let I, the hate I flow feel, through you. Oh, I am the Senate. I am um, the Senate. I, the only thing that I have here is that I now don't feel so bad in justifying that, ha- that La La Land was good to you <laughs> because all of your opinions are trash. <laughs> I'll cop that. Nah, fuck. I don't think I can recover. I need to stop. I'm going. (laughs) Um, Like, again, Hamilton, fine. Look, I don't hate it. Hamilton is overtly hyped, but there is something fucking amazing about what that man does with with words and with rhythms. Like, it's clever, I guess. Get fucked. I haven't seen it, haven't heard the soundtrack, don't care. Yeah, but I'm enjoying this. You have no stake in this. You're just like apathetic, weird. Godlike being, fuck that hurts. That's the first time anybody's ever said godlike in reference to me, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I want to take that back. <laughs> Too late. I think you're more like bacteria. You're just oblivious. <laughs> you just kind of exist. No, that's, that's I'm angry I'm now, so I'm going to insult both of you, and I don't mean it. Well, I mean it for you. Yeah, but not so much for you, Gabe. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks, man. Like I said, you were like you were expecting me to get angry. I got to even. <laughs> Ooh, it's the best. It's the best revenge. This um, episode has taken some strange turns, and good. So the pool party scene happens the same. <laughs> cool. Yeah, pool party scene's a good scene. Yeah, what happens next, Tom? Tell us more. Coffee shop beat happens the same. Cool. However, as they wander the lot, I feel like here again there's another moment for a song. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've had the 80s songs, but they're not songs. The Mommy yep. to Iran, that's cool, but it's not a song. Um, so basically we need a beat and a song that just ties nicely with the rest of the show and, yep. and ties in nicely to Mia's whole reason for doing what she does, which is, of course, her aunt, the actress. Actress. <laughs> I'm angry and I can't fucking talk. I just, I need, 
Oh, I can't believe that you don't like. <laughs> like I just. I think it's bloated. Oh, <laughs> this is so good. I just. I this just... turned out so much better than I ever could have hoped. <laughs> I just, I can't pitch anymore. <laughs> I was so ready for Dusha to lose his I, shit. I was so ready to take the best kind of like, twist. Right, I've got to be prepared for Dusha to get angry at me. I wasn't prepared for Dusha to be like, this thing that you like, yeah, 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 it's fucking shit. Um, anyway, so here is here is the heart of the show. Yep. So Mia, her, the whole reason she wants to act is because of her aunt. And they touch on it and you get that really beautiful audition moment, which I'm keeping where she talks about. Her aunt diving she in sings that. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's it's a beautiful fucking piece, but it comes out of nowhere because you got you don't get another piece like it. So here we have her sing this song called "The Love of Her Life." Yep, which basically, as they walk around the lot, she sings about how it, it was her the acting and film and performing and all of that that was her aunt's great love. Like it was the husband, the lover that. That no one else could match. It was it was the greatest thing she had. And as that's happening, they walk through the lot, and we get recreations of her aunt acting out these movies that she was in as they move through them, and and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's that again. You have the magical realism elements of that. They they watch on as her aunt's playing this like dying woman, and it's beautiful and it's heartbreaking. And you watch it, and you feel so many things. And as you see it, it's this whole thing of that she has all these. You know, there's a line in it maybe about how she had many lovers, but she only ever had one love, and that was this career. This art and this ambition, and that was it. Yeah, and me is like that drove her, and I want that. And Sebastian's kind of like, yeah, you, no, no, I, I get it, because that's 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 it. That's all I have. That shitty job that you saw me, you know, that that song that you you heard that I was playing. That that's what I do. I don't I don't do eighty shit. That's that's what I do. Is 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 play music that that makes. A difference, like yes, that's that's what I'm about. So they kind of bond, and and maybe it's here that suge- Sebastian suggests the plot point that I hate the most in the show. Yeah, which is do a one woman show and get noticed by a producer and get put in a film. He does say it exactly like that. He does. <laughs> it's on point. I thought the gods were sitting across the table. Personally, <laughs> hang on, let me do it again. I was <laughs> trying to give myself a lazy eye, and I feel bad. I don't like that plot point, so I'm kind of tweaking it. And I'm like, all right, what's palatable? They're doing musical. Fuck it, she's doing a cabaret. Maybe she explains that she's she's been you know writing about her aunt, and that's kind of yeah. When she comes home from a shitty audition, she writes about her aunt and she thinks about her aunt. And Sebastian's like, we'll use that shit. Don't go into those shitty rooms and be that girl or that. And he just like points. What would be nice is if you just had the same actress walk past like three times in a different costume, like that girl or that girl or that girl. Don't be them. Be you. Be the driven person that you are. You know, we don't exist in this world kind of thing. Be that ambition. And then she's like, well, what, what's, what's your drive? And he's like, jazz. She's like, oh, look, I don't listen to a lot of jazz. And he's like, you, you don't listen to jazz. It's, it's amazing. Like so, so everything that you've just said about acting—that's that's jazz, and that's 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 the whole. That's 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 what it is. You, you have to come in there right now. That was a pretty good impression because you had the same like impotent rage that he has when she's like, "I hate jazz." She's, he's like, "What? What? What do you mean you hate jazz?" And she's like, "I just don't get their, it." Their band is amazing. Yeah, and that's why I'm keeping them the same. But that, yeah, that 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 nice, cute meat. But it's it's this. He's he's so agitated. He's like, "No." He's like, "What are you doing right now? Fuck what you're doing right now. You're not doing that. You're coming in there. We're going to a jazz club." She's like, "I I can't. I've I've, I've got to go to a dinner." I was like, what? what do you mean? No, you're coming with me to a jazz club. You're just working. Like, come on, we're going. She's like, no, I've got to go to this dinner. There's a producer there. Um, if I go to this dinner, I might get a call back. 
And basically, I kind of want to show that she's dipping her toe into the social ladder uh-huh. aspect of getting a career up. Because you need to see her go dark side before she's like, no, this is actually what I, I should be doing. So she starts to go to this dinner and it's not with her boyfriend who just, you don't need her to have a boyfriend yeah. or that writer guy. She goes to the dinner. It's a guy from one of the panels. There's a few people there and she's doing a bit of schmoozing. And she, she finishes the dinner and the whole time she's at the dinner, she's just like kind of, it doesn't feel right. It's kind of weird. And she's like, ah, but she feels like she's playing pretend. And here I think the set would be at its fakest. Yep. Just to kind of say, this is bullshit. Except this beautiful old piano and this guy is like playing a bit of jazz and she's like, that's, that's where I should be. And so she raises off to the jazz club and basically I've, I'm doing it in reverse. So instead of going jazz club, audition, m- dinner, movie, I'm going dinner, jazz club, audition, movie. Because it seems just like a better way to do it. So she runs out of the dinner because she's like, no, I don't want to be part of that world. Goes to the jazz club and there he is and they're lost listening to jazz. And instead of just explaining jazz, he sings a song about jazz. Uh, don't know what the title would be. Something about like that, just the combustion of it. And it would be like this journey where he walks her through all of the different instruments. And it's like, this is the trumpet guy. He's doing this and da 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 da. He's singing along. This is how trumpet goes. And it's a big fucking brassy, awesome number. And then it just stops because the phone rings. And she's like, bang, and they're back in the jazz club. He's like, oh, that's really shit. That's, ah, fuck you. I listen to your story. Anyway, she ends the phone. She's like, oh, my God, I have an audition. He's like, bullshit. What for? She's like, that, that weird, like, fucking thing I told you about, Dangerous Minds means the OC. He's like, it sounds garbage. You hated that. She's like, I've got a callback for it. Like, I could get this job. He's like, yeah, but that's not what you would. He's like, all right, fine. All right. I'll do it. Like, like, okay, fine. Off you go. She's like, no, it's not that bad. Rebel without a cause beat. That same bit repeated. And this time he's like, okay, all right. I'll do a deal with you. If you get the part, if you nail the callback, cool, good for you, you win. You've, you've succumbed to being a social ladder climber, give up on the drive, give up on the, your aunt's way of doing it, you win. If you fuck the call up back, like the callback up, fuck the call up back? <laughs> fuck the callback up. You have to meet me in the reality theater and we're going to watch Rebel Without a Course because it means you failed, you need to do things the old way. She's like, fine, you're on, fuck you, I'm going to be the best. She not the best. <laughs> so what I'm thinking of is a callback song, which is like a patter song called Am I, Should I, Can I Know? And the whole thing is her being like, should I do this? Should I da 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 No, I won't do that. That'll be stupid. And she kind of reenacts these like scenes of how she could play the character. No, that's really stupid. While she's waiting. And she gets in and she gets one word out and like, thank you. Same as the film. So it's just more of a build up. So you see her developing this character. And again, you see that she's inherently got more than what she's being offered. And she just kind of sits there. She's crushed. And she's like, Fuck it, I've got to go to the movies with this fucking asshole. then. You literally do the beat as it happens because it's a really nice moment in the film. They go to the observatory, they dance among the stars and isn't it wonderful? And then they start dating. And what you do is you now chart me adapting the cabaret, uh, not a play, on her aunt's life. And Sebastian's maybe helping with some of the music, so they're working together. And he's kind of like, I'm going to try to get some work playing jazz, but he just can't get any money. And they're kind of just working along but you have the cities of city of stars beat here where you have them playing and then you show their relationship kind of building and then fading towards the end and it ends with instead of what they do in the film where they end oh they're together but it's like a flashback you end the song where they're both singing city of stars and you film it in a way that's like a a shot from the side so it looks like they're sitting next to one another and when the camera moves around to the front they're in different sound stages she's sitting there working on her play and he's like doing some shitty bar gig that he hates so again you see that They've tried to fuse their ambitions together because they're going to be in love, but it's not helping them at all. Like it's, yeah. it's actually made their careers worse. Like they can't 
do this. And and maybe you get another song here about how they're broke artists. And it's it's basically he convinces her to quit her shit job for the ambition, for the career. He will take a shit job to fuel her career. Like I don't have the John Legend band thing because I think there's something about that that's a little bit makes him Yes, there's like a, oh, yeah, the band, they're selling out, but it's a little bit pretentious. Yeah. Because it's like, fuck you, you're actually successful. You're in a really successful band. One thing that, like, is, uh, <clears throat> this it didn't annoy me, but it's kind of funny. They're doing an interview, like, when Mia, I think Mia's watching it. Someone's watching a YouTube clip of it, and you can see how many views a YouTube video has got. It's got, like, 800,000, and they're talking about releasing their first album. What the fuck? Hey, La La Land's yeah. a bad film because of that reason specifically. Prior to this, I only thought it was mediocre, but now... Mm. Um, anyway, so you get that beat and basically here it's kind of... Rather than have her doing a one-woman show yep. and he off with the band, I think it's at the jazz club and he has to work at a shitty other bar to make money for them, which pushes the tensions again. It's not that he's in a successful band because, no offence, if you're in a successful band... And you missed your girlfriend's play, one woman show that isn't amazing. It's like, look, it's shit that I couldn't be there. I understand why you couldn't be there because you're in a really fucking successful band. No, instead he's just playing bar mitzvahs and shit again. So just when you think he's like he's written some of the music for the cabaret, so you think he's going to get out. No, he's he's back playing bar mitzvahs again. You might get a reprise there of the old brand new. You then get the cabaret, and in the cabaret there's a song about her playing. Yes. I've got an idea for your pitch that is not in the film, but will add to the like driving tensions. Why yeah, don't you have him it. write some of the music for Cabaret, but then her to talk about auditioning a band leader, and then him to be like, "Why wouldn't you just get me to do it?" Oh, that would be really good. And then, and and it's because you don't know, it's, and it's not because he's not good; it's because he doesn't have time. And then, but that. Oh, it's because mm. she's like, well, she's like, well, no offense, but I've seen you play in a club, and you really struggle with direction. And then you actually play more with the whole idea of like how ambition drives them apart. Because if he's writing songs for the cabaret, I'm like, well, I actually don't see why their ambitions would drive them apart because then they're working together on something that ostensibly they could both be passionate about. But if she's just like, look, I'm sorry, but like- She gets John Legend to play the songs for her. And if she's like, look, (laughs) as much as you brought me into jazz and everything, it's not really what I want for this. No, yeah, I don't think I need need someone better because ruthless ambition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so it's literally- Straight up. So if you've written some really good jazz songs, but- this show's not about jazz. It's it's got to be different. So I'll I'll use some of the motifs. They're really nice, but I need someone else to come in and you yeah. take direction well or criticism well. He's like, no, fuck you, I do. And then you have the fight. Where he's like, I'm out there working in shitty little bars for you. She's like, don't you dare throw that back in me. Like that is. I never not asked fair. for this kind of thing. I didn't ask you to do that. And this is the night before the show. Like I did not ask you to do that. There is there is no part of me that asked you that that was. And then you kind of get a nice drum beat and you have an argument. To music. Um, but it's that, that kind of fight. I imagine they had a fight, but I like this fight a lot better than the one I originally had. So I'm, I'm working on the fly here. I'm doing some jazz. <laughs> I'm improvising. I'm the trumpet. I'm going out on my own thing here. Um, but it's, it's basically this huge fight over, over this cabaret that he's like, I'm invested in. I'm invested in your life. And she's like, I didn't ask you to do that. You did that on you. You and I are the same. I, I thought that's what you wanted out of everything. He's like, fine, fuck you. Uh, I'll quit my job and I'll go and write music. She's like, yes, go and do this. Like, well, then how would we eat? And it just, it just snowballs into this awful, awful thing. And they both storm off. And she goes off to a cabaret show. And he goes off to work at whatever the fucking kids party he's working at. And they're just so unhappy. And halfway through the... If, if we do the cabaret show where someone else is playing it, halfway through it, she just stops singing because she's like, it's not right. 
She's like, and people are like, boo, what, what, this is fucking shit. And then she just starts to sing, I think, unaccompanied about sacrifice or love or just something really beautiful. It's like, it's like the audition scene, but it's, it's slightly different. She sings about this really nice thing and, and the audience are like, it was, it was really beautiful. She does it on her own. And at this point, so she's also angry because Sebastian's not there. But at this point in the end of the song, you kind of compose it with him at his shitty party and he just storms out. And he goes to the jazz club and he catches the end of it. And he's just like, yeah, that's, that's it. I kind of make up but not quite. She gets the audition out of that. Like literally in that moment, I don't want her going away. I don't, I don't like her going home potentially. It's a bit, bleh, I'm making it tighter. She finds out then. Because the best thing about Whiplash, it's 90 minutes long. She finds out there and then she's got an audition. And he's like, I told you. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, I'm sorry about what I said before. And he's like, no, you're right. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be working. Like that just doesn't work. Anyway, um, I'm going to go see what I've got. Some other stuff. I'm like, I'm going to keep writing some songs. Good luck for your audition. And they kind of they go back home together, but it's not. You can just tell that it's there is a yeah. line that was crossed where they both realise, and maybe that's what the song's about. She's realised that for her to get the thing that she wants, she has to get it on her own. And he's realised that for him to be the thing that he wants to be, he can't be trying to support somebody else and sacrificing what he wants to be. Yep. And then we don't see the audition. So I've kept the auditions. I, I really like that scene, but just for my story, you you don't see the audition. You just all of a sudden, we're back on that rock cliff, and she's like, "So I've got a, I've, I've got a callback for this audition. It's going to be in Paris. They've got a script. It's really they, they, <laughs> they've definitely got they've a definitely script. got a script, but they they want to see me for it." And he's like, oh, "That's amazing." And she's like, "What's what's going on with you?" He's like, oh, I've, "I've got a regular lineup at a jazz club, and it's not you know." You would also hear at some point. I haven't mentioned that he wants to start his own jazz club, but you yeah. would, you would get that. Uh, you know, I've got to start a jazz club, and these guys are. Are going to give me a space. That old theatre we went to, I can use it for the jazz club, and and I've been working away at all these so many shitty jobs and a couple of other things that this guy's like based on my music. He he wants to be a part, me to join him at this jazz club. I reckon I could probably get it successful, and then I'd be able to buy it off him eventually. And they're kind of finally achieving their own dreams, and they kind of just sit there for a little bit, and then you get, we can't, and she's like, I know. He's like, we just can't, and she's like, I know. She's like, we already have our one great love. And he's like, yep. She kisses him on the cheek and instead of, and she gets up and she walks off the cliff. No epilogue. It's just, we've both, they've both realized that they've got the next part of their journey. Unlike the film, the thing that I didn't like about the film is that you see her succeed at the, the play. She said she's got an audition. We don't know if she gets the part or not. She just walks off. We don't know if he definitely gets the nightclub, but that's, that's not important. It's that he has found the dream that he's going after and he's just going to go after it. And she's found the thing that she wanted and she's going after it. And she got there not through social ladder climbing and he got there not by being stupid at what he was. It was maybe maybe the guy who was interested in having him at the club, at the, his jazz club, is a guy who was there that night that he was playing, supposed to be playing Christmas yeah, carols and yeah. he played something different. Now, there's no final montage. She just walks off, he walks off and this time instead of following him, you just hear the whistling of the, the City of Stars at the top. We follow her. Now, this is really, really different. Right? This is where the film is just, this is the end of the film. And it's, it's a little bit quirky. Don't know if it works, but we'll just see. So Mia walks off the rocks and she walks past sets and things and they sort of part away and she walks into a room, gets into it. Walk, follow, the camera follows her. She goes up into a trailer. She sits down to a trailer. She sort of looks in a mirror and she checks her makeup off. 
and then she takes the dress off that she's wearing and she just puts on like a pair of tracksuit pants and a jacket. And you basically see her go from being Mia to just being this woman. And she gets a drink, gets a coffee, walks out, says goodbye to these guys and she just gets on a train or a bus or a tram car or whatever and she's just kind of standing there and she's like running along and she just looks like just a regular person, just a normal person going about her day. And she gets home to this like small apartment and there's not a lot of stuff there. It's like a tiny room. There's, there's no one else in her life and she kind of throws like a bag on a, on a bed and she goes out to this, the stars and she lights a cigarette and she looks up at the stars and you still hear that theme of the city of stars playing and she looks across and as she looks across at the Hollywood sign, it no longer says La La Land, it just says Hollywood. It's the end of the film in that you literally have these characters who are just also actors who are just trying to be the best they can be in their respective ambitious careers. It's art imitating life. Yeah. And then Hamilton starts. <laughs> she gets cast in Hamilton. <laughs> and then I leave the cinema. Look, this made me get to talk about La La Land. So <laughs> great episode. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, like that ending is really good. It seems like something will be in Spike Jones film. In your version, this works. I really like the epilogue of the like La La Land because it's like an emotional punch that like the emotions of yours is set from the output. So there's no surprises. There's no like yeah. sad times where, well, yeah, the epilogue is like, fuck you a bit. Cause it's like, the whole thing is like, what is the price of ambition is the main theme of La La Land. It's also the main theme of whiplash and it will hundred percent be the main theme of his next film, the last man, which is stars Ryan Gosling playing Neil Armstrong in his lead up to being the first man on the moon. Wow. You know, it's definitely about ambition. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yes. Uh, it'll be the price of ambition and what and the cost is to achieve your dreams. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be the best film of 2019. Probably. See the, the reason I didn't do the epilogue, not because, so let me clarify it's not that I hate the epilogue. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice moment. It feels kind of the first half. It's kind of odd, and then you get what it's doing, and the last beat's really nice. Mm-hmm. But it shows them succeeding. Yeah, the weird part, and this is one thing that I like about the ending. It doesn't actually show Ryan Gosling happy, and he compromised. He called it Sebs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in their last conversation, he's like, "Well, I'm always gonna love you," and he doesn't look happy to see her, where she like gives him a smile and leaves. Is he happy? Did he get it? Or did he compromise and it fucked his dreams? Because he called it Sebs. Well, like he like he has a club, but he's not happy to be like he doesn't look happy to be there. But see, that's Gosling. I don't think Seb as a character would be happy to be anywhere. <laughs> he'd be at Disneyland and be like, what the fuck am I here? My my thing is, and it's the reason that I just avoided it was that yeah. I don't want to see them succeed. I don't want to see her get the audition nail the part. Yeah. I want to see her here I say I got an audition based on my cabaret. And it sounds like it's a real audition and I met these people and they're, they're real. So it, I think I'm going to get there. And he's like, yeah, I've got an opportunity as well. And I just think for me, the best thing about Whiplash is that, yes, you see him play that thing at the end and he's drumming, but you, you don't know, what, you happened, don't know yeah. what happens after that. Yeah, You don't know if he actually goes anywhere. You just see him do his thing for the sake of doing it. And I think that's what I'm trying to do here. I did struggle with coming to the pitch of this because the more I, I didn't like it, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the plot. There's nothing wrong with the plot. It's just other stuff and I've got to work out the other stuff. We've tightened the focus a lot, we, particularly thematically, which is really strong. I don't think I need the actor at the ends, like the meta, I, but I just don't like meta stuff. You know, I, it's, trust so, me, this bit, I was like, I, so you could either just leave it at the rocks, but I was like, oh, I kind of want to do this. I was like, fuck it. It's my La La Land. <clears throat> Dusha has no taste. <laughs> Ah, uh, so he'll. Oh, well, I just... liked the meta stuff. Yeah, good, good. Wait, wait. Yeah, but Hamilton, myself. guys. <laughs> Hamilton. No, no, no. That that's done. That ship sailed, Gabe. Nice try. <laughs> has it though? Guns yeah, no, and it has. ships. Not a good song. No. 
I just said no, but I was talking about something else. <laughs> and it sounded like I was agreeing with you. I just, I, I think it just could be tighter and just more open-ended in that you don't know if they get what they want. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I like that. I really like that. Because it's ambition um, for ambition's sake. Yeah. I mean, like, yes. my interpretation of the original La La Land is, like, Mia got what she wanted, but did Seb. No, nah, I don't go no, that I, deep. He just is an unhappy fucker. I think Seb got exactly what he wanted. But, I think- like, because you also... The fact but that is that what sh- he needed, Gabe? Because like the fact I don't know of if either of them really got what they needed. Well, see the thing about well, no, but she gets her dream. She's she also kind of has, bored with that guy. She has a guy. She has a kid, and she has a husband. Seb has no one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not that we know of. No, well, no, no. His the, apartment is very, very like, clearly. While I'm defending the film, <laughs> this has been a roller coaster. But we don't see his apartment at the end. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. When? Uh, so it shows Mia going to the house and you, because it's just Mia and you're like, ah, oh, maybe they're together. Maybe and they're you together. see him in a different part of the house of, of, a, of a room. And you're oh, I totally forgot house. that. Yeah, because he puts his keys in a bowl and it's a very small bowl and there's only his keys in there. Yeah. Okay. And then it shows him walking to the kitchen wearing a suit and he starts like frying something up and yeah. it's a tiny kitchen. Yeah. I completely skipped over that part of the film. I mean, like, it's a great film. None of it's <laughs> worth skipping over. Yeah, maybe maybe rewatch. There's some really cool ideas, and like a lot of the songs you've added into this, I would love to have heard or seen, um, especially like the, yeah, like this audition song that the new or the quick audition you didn't yeah, get yeah, it the, song. The, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the 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 audition soft shoe. Oh no, this one. Am I? Should I? Can I? No. Yeah, yeah. The callback because yeah. yeah. That was a good scene in the film, but I think that would have made it funnier, but then also like it made a much bigger point of the fact. It's like, oh my God, this is like the first time I've had a callback. And then she's like stressing about it. And then she just says one line. Like it's like five words. Yeah, she says five words and she gets, yeah. Which and is just like, it's a terrible, what is it? Someone that I'm the bot anyway. Fucking stupid. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's my La La Land. The uh, best picture. The No, almost the best picture. All of two minutes. All of two minutes. And hey, look. It won. This is a huge testament to how great a film Island is. It won an Academy Award in the same year that Suicide Squad did. So, pretty good. Pretty. I'm not getting you, am I? Not at all. You <laughs> fucked me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I've been Tom. I've been Gabe, and I've been Joel. You were douche a minute ago. It's confusing for people. Um. So yeah, that's our Island. La if you enjoyed the the musical, the movie, either of them, uh, let us know. Email us at uh, sanspantsradio at gmail Talk to us on Facebook. Uh, at Sans Pants Radio, or you can talk to us on Twitter, which is at Sans Pants Radio, or you can annoy us individually. Uh, I'm at Awkward Treed. I'm at Goldberg Moser. And I'm at Douche13. Thank you very much, guys. See ya. So, Hamilton. <laughs> if you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. 